So I always like to, if, if I'm heading into a really big peak and, I, and I've got everything on the line, I like to pull out the last week. That's what she said. Yes. That, not with Lincoln. <laughs> the last week and a half. Dane the, talking about his early pregnancy. <laughs> yeah. I got you up there. I think I was seven years yeah, earlier me, than you. You beat me by like a decade. Yeah. Man. I have a guy I work with who calls me the genetic jackhammer because <laughs> I, I, so I have three kids, but they're all like six, seven years apart. This episode is brought to you by Peak Strength. Peak Strength is like having garage strength in your pocket where you get seven free days of training. And when you download Peak Strength at peakstrength.app, you can go in and select what type of workouts that you want to do, what are you training for specifically, and when that peak date is going to be. Once you fulfill all that information, Peak Strength designs a program that helps you attain those goals. Head over to peakstrength.app today. This episode is also sponsored by Garage Strength Equipment. Head over to garagestrength.com and pick up a single leg roller so that you can work that unilateral strength and that dynamic trunk control. Yeah, help with that uh, stumble reflex too, right? Yeah, yeah. When you trip over everything like your words. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Oh, man. Have you ever fallen going for a run? Dude, I fell once like on a treadmill, but I didn't eat it off the treadmill. Okay. I just like semi-ate it and caught myself. Nice job. Yesterday... I went for a run with my wife, four Actually, miles, and she ate it. Oh, shit. It, it was like on the side of the... I hit the one time I hit the side of the road where it's like... The, yeah, the black we top. were on the sidewalks when it happened. I've never, it, I've never done that. It's just one of these, like, yeah. down, brush burn. Caitlin actually just went for a run, and her calf was cramping, and she texted me, like, I actually feel like I might die. Like, I'm not going to make it home. Oh, was that bad? Yeah, she was like, it was... The worst pain, but I was in Albuquerque, so there was nothing I could do. Oh, indoors. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when you get to indoors, I would assume you'd be, like, at the top of your game if you're competing at the Nationals there, right? Yeah. Like, around what we would call, like, the summit phase in parabolic periodization. So Correct. Listening, like, imagine you're working up towards something big, and there's that date on the calendar, you know, you have it circled or whatever, or there's a reminder on your phone. Or there's like travel plans. You got your, I don't know, plane tickets, car ride, full tank of gas, however you're getting there. But to get there first, you're in the gym, right? You're preparing, you're prepping. You did your exposure. You did your comprehension. You started hiking on up that mountain ascension. And next thing you know, you're at the top, right? Yeah. PRs are rolling in. You're taking big lift after big lift. Technically, you're moving and you're like, man, I'm on fire. I'm sharp like a samurai blade. I'm going to take some heads off here. (laughs) Right? Like, you're just moving that well. Confidence. You know, within the program, your variations, you're probably doing stuff you're good at now. Yeah. And you're hammering it. I Like, for instance, for me, I used to do pauses below the knee. Yeah, because then you could just crank. And I would crank them. And I know you give, Jake, I believe, gets high hang snatches. But, like... At home, whoever you are on your variation days, you're doing a lift where you go off. It's like, I'm good at this lift. You have the confidence. It builds it. It plays into it. And next thing you know, you know, Acme, if you will, top of your game. Nader's all the way in the background, and you summit that mountain. Yeah. And you go and you compete. And that's what the summit phase is trying to do for you. So, Dane, talk to us about, 
let's start with the name, the summit phase. Why are we there first? I I mean, I think to me, the summit phase sort of embodies what you just described. I think it's like, I, I have that visual of like, you know, you, you want to get to the, let's say you're, uh, you're climbing a mountain, like you just sort of described. And when you're ascending, you're realizing like, wow, this is hard, but I can do it. I I'm, I'm, I'm able to do it. I can handle these, these hard cliffs. I'm navigating everything really well. And then I think that that summit phase would be like, again, like the last four weeks, but then when you summon it, it's like, all right, I, I'm here. I'm, I've arrived. Um, uh, I was just thinking, what's what's the dude who who summited it with Sir Edmund Hillary uh, Norgay, Tenzin Norgay, is I think his name. I is think, this Mount Everest or something yeah, like Mount that? Mount Everest the first time, but no, the people claim they did it the first time. I think Norgay, he was the Sherpa. Okay, I was gonna say, so he's probably done it many multiple times. times. Yeah, he's like, all right, buddy, yeah, you yeah, can, yeah, now you, you can follow can me, up. me. You paid me enough. Yeah. Like, so I, I envision like that, like that summit and. And almost even to the point where, you know, maybe a week out would be like where you're 500 meters from the summit, but you, okay. you, you know, you're coming, you know, you know, it's coming, you know, it's going to, you're going to be there. And then when you finally take that step, there's like that delay of like the hard work's done. I'm here. This is amazing. And then after that would be the next phase. But that, that point of just like knowing that you're clawing at, at that big goal, that big dream of whatever that you have and that you're dealing with some sense of struggle to get there. Um, but even to the point where it's like, you know, you hear the stories of people summiting and there's a, there's a, there's actually a mountain. I think it's in Argentina. It's like the highest mountain that you can climb without that. Like a normal person, you or I untrained could climb. And it's like 18,000 feet. Um, I don't think you'd be normal if you did that. Like there's still something it's not it, to do that. Like, yeah, but technique, there's not a lot of technique okay. that goes into it. Um, you don't need the skill sets, right? You just need the boots. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a lot of people will say like they get within, you know, 500 or a thousand meters and they can see it. They're right there, but it's so hard to work through that last sort of like that last yeah. run. And I sort of, I sort of envision that even to the point with, you know, sometimes when the athletes might be peaking, they might be a little banged up and they've got it, but they can sense they have that urgency, you know, in the, in the anticipation of, of summit. And I think that that's the whole thing is, is to me, it, it, it embodies that anticipation. It embodies that urgency to fulfill the, the, the urge to go compete. Yeah. And you have that competition, right? Like that's sort of like the flagpole right. in the summit. When right. That happens. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, you know, you had mentioned with with indoors and indoors, it's 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 sort of tough because it's early in the season, so they're not truly in a summit phase. But you you okay. try to set it up that that they have a little bit of that sense, a little bit of that feeling. And then, I think the other thing that's interesting is like after a true peak, when when you have that true peak, you you achieve the summit phase, and then you achieve that realization, and that's like we're not there yet, though. Right. <laughs> that's why I'm saying like the indoor fate, the indoor period here is more like a ascension to summit than it is summit, summit the into the space into the realization. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a little bit of, um, and actually I, you know, to toot our own horn, I think that's what makes the, the, the system so dynamic is that you can still set 
things up and get a, a pretty good response, get really good adaptations out of everyone and still be able to reload for the outdoor season if we're talking about track, but also, you know, even if we're talking about football yeah. and other sports where you might have to do multiple things, you know, compete multiple weeks in a row. Garage strength, uh, program design type of stuff. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Very purposeful in the parabolic periodization model. All right. So we got the summit, like sort of why it is like, that's almost like the mental aspect mm -hmm. of it, right? Where your brain needs to be. Yeah. The vision you're taking towards it, all the other stuff you're doing to focus, right? It's not, yes, the lifting's going on, but that's the mental place you need to be. Um, let's talk about in the environment, in the weight room, in the gym, lifting, training. This is another intensity phase versus a volume phase, correct? Mm -hmm. All right, why, I know this sounds silly, but why is the summit phase an intensity phase? And I have a follow-up question after that then too. Oh, that's good. Um, so I think most athletes, and, and if you're a wrestler or swimmer or something like that, I think I think what ends up happening is that if you do too much volume, it can have a negative impact on your sport technique. I got a burp. Sorry. ASMR burps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas I, I think in, in our experience – if you're doing um, variations like technical coordination variations that are going to be more specific to your sport, you're going to be doing absolute strength exercises that are more specific to your sport. And if it's a little bit more intense, meaning you're doing doubles or triples, yes, it might be heavy, but, and there might be like a fatigue delay of like one or two days where you're a little, you're a little tired, but you don't have the actual soreness because there's less, there's less uh, eccentric loading because there's less reps. Um, and you're still going to increase your strength because of the, the amount of mechanical tension that you're, you're taking on. So for me, I think athletes in general do better as they get closer to that peak to have a little bit less volume and then, and more intensity. All right. My follow-up, what about a sport like soccer, you know, football to the majority of the world? Yeah. And where there's this huge endurance aspect to it, but this, like, speed, like, it's really fast, too. But you're running a 10K, if not more. Like, and when you're running, you're booking. Like, there's no slowdown. Right. How does – how could maybe – and I could just be spitballing here. How could volume actually benefit that athlete? Or to your point you made earlier, does it just take away from their sports performance? I think it'll. I think it would definitely benefit the athlete. I think the the main thing that I would look for if I was so, like somebody like a soccer player or a football player, you know, football to the rest of the world, is that for me, volume is going to help them no matter what. Intensity is going to help them. If I'm trying to get them to peak, the way it would help them is like let's say to. The, the whole goal in soccer is like if I can run, let's say a 10, this is, this is an absurd example, but let's say I run a 10 second, 100 meter dash. Okay. Sure. Now let's say I dribble with a soccer ball and I run a 10, five. The whole goal is to take that 10, five and lower that 10, five down to like 10, three. So if we can get, they, they do so much specific work and in specific endurance work in practice because their practices are an hour and a half to two hours. They have a lot of technical drills. There's a lot of passing drills that go on 
during soccer practice, during football practice. Um, there's a lot of th- running in general just in their own training. So for me, for to get that athlete who already has a very large aerobic capacity, I need to improve their power output so that, that they can take maybe one or one and a half less strides and then lower and try to lower to get that that 100 meter without the ball, you know, to the 100 meter with the ball to get that gap to be closed a little bit more. So, so I'm hearing there's like a very specific goal that starts coming in mind in yeah. the sports performance realm yeah. when in the summit phase. Yes, for sure. Um, how do you do that then through like the technical coordination movements, the absolute strength movements, accessory movements, and then even like the athlete day plyometric movements? Like, so, so if if that's a pretty heavy question. If I would take like a like a technical coordination for a soccer player, I'm going to have them probably just do power cleans or, or one box cleans or high hang power cleans. But day one, we would do a heavier, you know, maybe it's like yeah. seven singles. I would have them do single leg squats on day one. Um, now, if we would go to like, let's say they're lifting four days a week, day four would be impulse day. I would have them do like a high hang power clean or something that's a little bit quicker, but to emulate like if they have to jump or something like that. Then we might do like actually literally just like a light front squat or a goblet squat fast, and it would be done with the contrast method. So they would do jumps. And now, they, what type are you going unilateral jumps there? Or are you I going would bilateral? go uh, unilateral for them because they're doing a bilateral strength movement. I would do a unilateral. So because you're in the summit phase, do we do stair jumps unilateral? Yeah. Something where there's less of like that eccentric. Yeah, like- I would do that, and that's going to help them. That's going to help them with their their sprint acceleration. And along with that, if we're on athlete day, so if we would go backwards now, athlete day would be day three. They're going to be doing drills that are going to be very specific to their sport. So if I had a goalie, the goalie might do more one lateral movement. Yeah. They still will do a fair amount of bilateral stuff. Do you still do those banded like lateral jumps? Yeah, we actually just did them this morning. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have that- you ever tried those over a hurdle? No. That would be Oh, wild. my goodness. Yeah, that would be I'm crazy. Trying to th- with the band. The band would Maybe hit a it. low hurdle. The yeah. low hurdle you probably could. For distance even too. Yeah, that would be like that'd you move be it nuts. out more. But I think the interesting part, and I would have to study this with soccer players, is like how many times in a game do they have like that where there's like a penultimate, where they're they're like a long jumper or a high jumper. There's an approach and then they jump. Versus yeah. how often in a game are they jumping off two feet versus sprinting. And and the thing that would it influence me on that athlete day then would be taking those percentages and then trying to break that up into, all right, this is the amount of jumps we get unilateral. This is the amount we get bilateral. And then is there any where we sort of walk into something? And I think that that would be the, the main thing during the summit phase is that the, the jumps become very, very specific. And, and that's where it's even the variations and the strength movements would become much more specific than they would be earlier in the competition. So you phase. narrow the lens during the summit. Yeah, yeah. For specifics, like you're always doing specific to the sport, but it narrows even more. Yeah. To hit a fine detail in it. I was actually trying to explain this to Jason earlier, where it's like, if you took a, if you like, the simplest way to think about this would be a bilateral jump. Okay, so what does that mean? That sounds complicated but if you just did if you were just standing here and 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 if you're not watching on youtube just visualize doing a counter movement so you squat eight inches and you jump with your body weight yeah 
just standing there and you just do a jump. And if you're on YouTube, like, subscribe, click that notification. Yeah, and make bell sure you too. comment and let us know that you're watching and that yeah. you're you're paying attention. Now, if you're here. on a podcast, give yeah. us a five star rating. Exactly. So if if you looked at it this way, a body weight squat and jump for height that yeah. would be progression one. Okay, so progression two. So that would be during the exposure phase, essentially. Yeah. It, progression two would be box jump. So that would be during Here's you know, a target. Comp yeah, comprehension phase. There's a little bit of a target. So now we could go progression three could be um, depth drop, land, jump, get to a box. So that would be ascension phase. Summit phase, we want to get really interesting. Depth drop, bound into hurdle hops. You know, so now and, and there then, may even be lateral movements. Yeah, there too. yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, like a Jan jump series yeah. or something like that. So just through those four phases, you took something that was so simple and you turned it by the fourth phase by 16 weeks into something that's very complex. And the whole point is like, you know, and not that that's how we program it exactly, but that's to show and, it, and ideally someone would work through the 16 or 20 weeks and then they would come back and they wouldn't be doing the first exposure phase would not have that body weight squat and jump exposure phase instead would have, you know, a banded jump for height and then into bounds. So the goal is that over the span it of keeps the, building. Yeah. Over the span of the life of the athlete, by the time they run the course five, six, seven times, that exposure phase is a very complicated movement because they can get even more complicated later. And I like to even look at the, the essence of their career in exposure, comprehension, ascension summit, and then realization would be that's when someone's going to be 30, 31, 32. Sam's getting there soon where now we don't have to really lift as much. And now the career is a different point. So it's like you look at the phases in this you know, macro level. Yeah. But the phases in reality out of the spectrum of the entire career of the athlete are actually micro. This is a unique experience, though, too, you have. I think we, we've discussed this and you've discussed this with other high level coaches, mm -hmm. how you have so many athletes that are like decade athletes yeah. versus like and you have like 12 year olds to 20 year old, like, yeah, long gamut or like 18 to 30 at this point or 20 to yeah, 30. Yeah, like yeah. you get that decade. Most strength coaches, I think, get athletes for three years. Yeah, if they're in college, three. I mean, high school, maybe college. five. Right, right. And I think that's. I mean, yeah, I'm, that's maybe a comment on athletes too. Like, hey, I, I need some. But like, learning how to develop an athlete in three years, and then developing your system so it still works twelve years down the line, yeah, is a whole nother true. ballpark of like. Yeah, because you do have to. You do have to be innovative, and I mean, dude, Sam's a great a great person that I've built a lot of the system off of because he's so high wired that like if I wanted to keep pushing him, it would have been really, really fun, but he probably also would have gotten hurt. Uh -huh. So it's always like playing that seesaw game. And I think that's the whole point is like, if we would go back to, you know, garage strength program design, we've got to think through that lens of like in all reality in the immediate in the immediate outcome, we're looking for what's the problem we're trying to solve. The problem that we're trying to solve is that by week 16, we get an athlete to peak as well as possible. That's off that summit phase. And we've got to make sure that the the movements are more precise. They're going to be lifting heavier. Uh, the, the plyometric movements on athlete day are going to be more very specifically what we term as skilled strength. 
and and that's where some of the reflexive stuff's going to come into play. You know, we were talking about the the what you were terming the stampede step with some of these shooters, yeah, or non-shooters in basketball. How to become are, more threatening from yeah, the three-point line? Yeah, and training those. That would be a great example of basketball. If I had basketball players peaking for like the Sweet Six or not the Sweet Sixteen, but for the tournament, the tournament you're know, coming up. Yeah, that's that's in the next three weeks. Actually, right now I'm dealing with. Uh, South Dakota State's got Big Twelves next week for wrestling. It's the same. It's the same setup for yeah. basketball and wrestling. So they're in the summit phase, and then after the summit phase, they go into realization for the tournament for the NCAA f- tournament. And it's the same issue here with basketball. Is like if I had someone prepping for the tournament, their movements would be very, very specific to what their position is on the court. So if I have a guy who's a bad shooter. But he, but the way has that to play a wing, or yeah. Or? But he's out on the three point line and he's got to attack the paint because no one's going to cover him out there. Yeah, like, we're going to start. Then we're going to start doing some this of the stampede. Yeah, the, this specific forty five degree cut. But like, if you watch, who does it? Who's that dude on the Bucks? The the Greek, the Greek freak. Oh, yeah, Giannis. Yeah, like you watch him do it, it's unreal. And like, he's not a good three point shooter, but like, he can still make offensive plays from there on just a cut. Because yeah. just of the spacing and the way the game's played now, and it's a way to attack the defenses, I guess. And that's the whole thing too with the with the wrestlers right now is like we're in the summit phase, so some of the wrestlers are doing different jump variations than the other wrestlers. If we've got some the heavyweight that they have is very tough. He's like a top ten heavyweight. He's moving really really well, and they're ninety seven pounder. Now this so this is not the best example, but he's doing some of the same stuff that they're like fifty sevens doing that they're they're forty nines doing. But in some teams, you might have that be totally different just based off the fact that the heavyweight might not be moving as well as a 49. Uh-huh. You know, so it's like... Does that have to do with the way the wrestler, like, wrestles, too? Yeah, yeah, it's all on Like, how. if they're more like, I don't know, what do they call it when they're kind of, like, non-traditional? They have a, don't they have a word for that they use now, like, when wrestlers are more, like... They're sort of off kilter, like they'll say, they'll say they're like funky. Yeah, yeah, like they'll, a funk style or yeah. something like that. Yeah, I, I knew it was like real simple. Yeah, like a, how do you train? Like someone who wrestles that way versus someone who's like you know, dude. You know what's funny with that is like kids that are very funky tend to they they're not like they don't like to lift. Oh, really? They're like funky wrestlers, like they'll go in, they'll do dips, they'll do push ups, they'll do pull ups, but they're just so in tune with their body, like. They Can you like get them to do the reflexive movements then? Probably you probably could. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you probably could. Like baseball players. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. We're still waiting for that call, Astros and Dodgers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Got funny. it all here, biomechanics. Um, let's touch real quick on athlete reactive analysis curve. Okay. Zens, how do they handle? They're doing very well during this period. So when aren't they doing well? Yeah, I, I mean I think the the big portion is like now, week one, week two, they might start to be like, they might be a little beat up coming out of the ascension phase. Um, but as they work through this, this is when they're going to really start to rise to the surface um, and, and feel really strong, really explosive. And they, they just know the process. They, mm-hmm. know, they know what to expect. Uh, the exuberance, so type three, this is where the last two to three weeks they're going to really blow up. And, and that's what you would want. You want these these blow up like threes. napalm and just like start yeah. firing on all cylinders yeah you want them being mustang sally i actually was thinking about like jake going into 
want to say it was Pan Ams or Nationals last year. He like you know we talked about his high hang. He high hangs like he high hang like one forty six like like three or four days out, and it's like that helped him so much with his his confidence. And that's at the, during the summit phase. And I think even if, uh, you know, you look at like the social athlete, you're going to, you're going to have to help the social athlete navigate the stress of how are we traveling there? Yeah. What time's our flight? How do I feel when the clean and jerk comes on? Yeah. And my, uh, yeah. pre-workout. Yeah. What's no longer there? Exactly. Questions. Like, you know, what's funny is, is that I know Lucas won't listen to this. Lucas, when we traveled this week, it was like there was a social athlete who asked that question. Yeah, just uh, before we came up. Yeah, about the the pre workout. Yeah, um, and th- and this example with Lucas is like, what time are we leaving? We'll leave at four fifteen. I'm gonna drive myself because I think we should leave at four. Dude, why don't you just say that? Hey, Dan, can we leave at four? Yeah. Well, I, I don't want to <laughs> put you up. And then it's just not like this roundabout way. Explain. I'm like. I'll, we'll just leave at four. Yeah. All you had to say is like, "Hey, I'd feel more comfortable if we left at four. Yeah, don't be passive aggressive. Yeah, it's just like, say what right, you want. Yeah, we're gonna go at four then. It's okay. It's 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 not a problem. And I think that that's like. I mean, I know I, I sound. I was irritated at the time. Yeah. Well, but, you're a social athlete too. <laughs> it's it's being ready and prepared for those moments because that's what's gonna happen. As a coach, you yeah. As like, a coach, they're gonna feel fine physically. But it's it's the mental There's a side. jitteriness to it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And part of being a social athlete is you got to talk it out. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Like, and they they need that affirmation or like that back and forth. Absolutely. All right. Um. Last question before we get into the audience stuff or yeah, the Discord and the subreddit. Okay. Um. Let's talk about uh the transition to the realization phase. One, how do you mess it up? And two, how do you do it so like. It goes well. So I always like to, if if I'm heading into a really big peak, and I and I've got everything on the line, I like to pull out the last week. That's what she said. Yes, that. Not with Lincoln. The last week and a half. <laughs> Dane talking about his early pregnancy. <laughs> I got you up there. I think I was seven years yeah, earlier me, than you. You beat me by like a decade. Yeah, I have a guy i work with who calls me the genetic jackhammer because i I, so i have three kids but they're all like six seven years apart yeah yeah lincoln lincoln was just premarital so for us or yeah i'm gonna take out the my eldest who's studying to be a biochem medical engineer with a cellular focus right now who just got an internship to like so so you did a good job yeah well it wasn't me village raised that kid so and your kid's doing a good job too. Yeah. But I think like with the summit going into realization, the most important thing for me is I like to take out a lot of the accessories the last week and a half. Okay. So if I take those accessories out, they start to feel really good. It's like and, taking the condom off. Oh my God. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Again, that goes back to the conversation that we just had. Um, trying to keep the joke going. <laughs> yeah. It, and I think that that's, one thing that people forget is like, dude, if your athlete is sluggish, take out all their accessories. Stop. Like I used to get so worried about it. And then I realized like if they're doing three sets of something and three sets of something else, it takes time for them to recover from that. That's extra things that we're, we're forcing them to adapt to. So take those out. 
Now they have that, you know, that extra recovery. And then the next thing would be if they're still sluggish, take out, decrease some of their squat sets or their strength sets. And I think that that's like one of the main things that I think that a lot of coaches miss. I mean, a lot of coaches just miss the fact that they don't have an actual system. Uh, but I think you, you pull those things away from their training, but you have someone like Haley and it's like, she doesn't need that. So you've got to be in touch with, you know, the athlete reactive side to know what they need. Um, and then I, I think it's, it's the other factor is like <clears throat> some people will say, well, doubles are heavy or whatever. Let, let's say if we're talking about weightlifting specifically, you don't want to spend too much time on doubles pushing to a max double in comparison to you want to use doubles to prime them to hit big singles. So like I might have Haley do three doubles or three or four doubles at the same weight, but that same You'll weight, static it there. yeah, that's just to get the technique rolling and then go really heavy. So I think the main goal is just know what the athlete that you're dealing with, what they respond really well to know the variations that they need for their specific sport and then know when to pull out with those accessories. You know, you look at Sam, dude, Sam can, basically start a traditional taper by the the way that people would think of a traditional taper three weeks out and if i did that with haley <clears throat> she'd fall apart yeah but you know sam's also one of those guys who's just he lifts so much weight that like he takes a little bit more time to recover he's a bigger guy and and you also have to factor that in bigger dudes do tend to recover yeah, Haley's like 110 yeah. pounds if think about an offensive lineman an offensive lineman does a bench workout. They're going to take four days to recover. A running back might take a day and a half. Got it. So, All right, let's go to Discord. Sir Phillips, I've been seeing a lot of videos about accelerated band jumps. What are the benefits of accelerated band jumps? What's the science behind it? Is it neurological with rates Dude, of fire in the motor really... units or reflex inhibition or activation? So this is really funny because I, I would say this all – to me, it was like a Russian overspeed training methodology. And if I remember, oh my gosh, why can I not think of Ben Johnson's coach's name? The he was first a Canadian, right? Yeah, the Canadian sprint coach. Why can I not think of his name? Oh man, I learned something Charlie about Francis. Canadians. The Charlie other day. Francis. The first I ever saw someone writing about it was him talking about the Russians doing it. Um, and I want to say he might have even said he saw like uh, Valerie Borzov, Borzev, who was a 1972 100-meter champ, doing like va like variables of this. So like if I were – based off his question, I envision someone's holding bands attached to a squat rack, mm -hmm. and they're jumping, and they get pulled up to like 12, 13 feet, and then they land and they do it again. And there's coaches that swear by it. So it's like an assisted jump. It's, mm -hmm. it's almost like lightening the load, if you will. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Doesn't that just could? Uh, I don't. Never mind. I'm thinking like, is part of the the landing more important than the actual liftoff? I would say yes to that. Now the interesting question here, I don't have a lot of experience with them, and so I I actually so I ended up seeing someone doing this today, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna look up like, is there any science on this and i didn't do it yet so like to answer his question i can't i can't answer it like yet yeah can't i can't answer i can't answer it yet because i've never used them in my training and a lot of coaches i know do use them they swear by them 
But I, you know, I know it's like a triphasic thing and I know that it's rooted in some Russian stuff. I never did them with Dr. B. Um, I would have to see like a very elegant study as they call them. Like I would have to see how one would be laid out to actually be able to deduce if they're valuable or not. Do you want more input before you form an opinion? Yeah. One way or the other. What you read, what you learn, what you research, and then what you, as you, if you apply it what you see i will share this anecdotal note sam was competing with someone who was trained by like a triphasic person and we were at nationals and he like sees him doing these wild jumps and he's just like why don't you just jump without the bands like like what's the trade-off like you're lightening the load but you get higher well what if you just keep the load the same but you don't go as high like is there a very clear like what's the the recruitment can process? the force plate measure the landing it, it too? could it could do that that's yeah. what i'd want to see and yeah and probably also too when you bound up does it actually make you bound more what's and, this this yeah without intensity? the bit yeah and i would want to see too you know what's the delay three four five days later test their broad jump who's jumping further yeah or, or at least who has a better response to that training. But Sam was sort of mocking the thrower. Um, that was actually the year Sam won nationals too. So I will say it was sort of fitting. Um, but, you know, it, it could it could work. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know enough to. Let's go really... to the next one. Keith Conigard. I feel like this guy, this person gets a lot of questions. Right now there is a huge scandal in Denmark surrounding female soccer players' weight and mental health, especially eating disorders. Mm. How, if at all, does garage strength make sure your athletes don't develop eating disorders and other mental issues? And if they do, what help do you give them to get out of it? That's a tough question. I think the main thing is, like, I always try to approach nutrition, and and this might not be the best because – some people handle it differently, but I always try to approach nutrition specifically around, um, the performance of the sport. Um, you know, how are you eating? How do you feel? You know, this is where your calories could be, but I try not to be overbearing with it. I don't want it. I don't want it to be like, you've got to cut this or you need to do this. Um, I also think it's important to be open-minded enough well, that didn't you just give before we came up like 175 grams of protein like that was i think the nutrition that was for anna yeah yeah like it was very straightforward yeah and and i think it's important because i think she's not eating enough in in the sense i don't think she's eating enough protein yeah um and i think that i try to keep it as like fuel related as like dude this is going to help you recover it's going to help you feel better when you're training and when they and my my approach is if they feel better when they're training or if they're recovering better, then they'll they'll realize that their nutritional choices have a positive How impact. does it help that there's mainly this two sports you're developed the most in throwing and weightlifting. Throwing are very large athletes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. They're thick. Yeah. And with weightlifting, it's a span of body types. Yeah. Right, like they're all strong, but it's a span. Like yeah, you, you might know, somebody's shredded versus a super being. Yeah, they're all different weight. Huskier. And isn't the experience more? You celebrate all body types through that. Then yeah, and I th- I think that's the main goal. Would be you need to you need to do that. And dude, I've I've had throwers say like I feel heavy. I you know 
I think I'm a little heavy. I feel slow in the circle. All right, well, let's look at what you're eating. Maybe we cut seven to 12 pounds and you might feel better. You know, uh-huh. if you feel that, that, but I think approaching it, like, I don't want to ever f- tell somebody they have to do something. And even with Haley, at one point they had wanted her to cut to 45 and I had to talk with her and she's like, I don't, I, I'm not doing that. And then it's like, all right, do you think you can stay at 49 the rest of your career? And she's like, yeah, I don't, I don't have problems cutting. I think I can do that. So to me, I never want to force that as like a, as like a real specific issue. And I, and I don't know the Denmark scenario specifically, but I also do know that there's some wrestling coaches that instead of actually offering like, Hey, if you want to optimize your nutrition, your recovery, your sleep, yeah. your mobility, all that stuff was on Anna's list. Yeah. Too, you, like. you put it all together into a list and it's, it's all like, one's not more important than the other. They're all very important. And you also don't, I think the other factor is, is, how do you talk to your athletes? Like be in their corner. Let them know that you're there for them as mm-hmm. a resource. Don't beat them down and tell them like, you're fat. How dare you be a soccer player and be this heavy? Like, but that's what most old head coaches do. They yeah. don't know how to communicate with any sense of like uh too much shame. Well, yeah, it's all shame instead of having like some sense of charisma when you speak to someone. Yeah, I just bought this book about nonviolent communication. I haven't read it yet, but I'm super curious about it and just like word choice. Yeah. In how to like communicate what you're trying to say in a nonviolent way. So like, hey, I need you to lose weight type of thing, maybe based Mm -hmm. off what your goals are and what you see for yourself and like how to make that happen. I think that's too. it's, It's also so going back to the women is like. If you're talking to women, you also have to understand menstrual cycles. Like yeah. I had I had people, I had some of my closest friends making fun of me because I said on an Instagram post that some women menstruate. But the crazy part is some women don't menstruate. Like, dude, you need to know that if you're dealing with some women, especially endurance-based athletes, like some women don't actually yeah. menstruate because there's some nutritional deficiency. And then you have to approach that accordingly based off of what their experience has been based off of, you know, do they have a doctor or a nutritionist that you can talk to? Do you, know, do you need, if they're younger, do yeah. you need to talk to their parents? So it's like, you do if they're younger. You well, do obviously. To. Yeah. But there's a, there's a lot of different things when you're talking about the Denmark situation, it's like you, you really would have to look at all those things specifically to, for, to be able to answer that. Yeah. I would err on the side of it. It's probably a bunch of old idiots just laying blame on girls and calling them names instead of actually taking accountability for their poor coaching. Yeah. It's almost always what happens. I hear you with that. People need to download the app though. Peak strength. Yeah. Head over to peakstrength.app. You can pick up our app today, seven free days of training, but most importantly, you can select any specific program that you want based off of your equipment, your goals, your peak date so that you can achieve your peak strength that was much better that yeah that was way better until next time peace later